Hello, listeners. Uh, no, you are not confused. This is not your normal episode of Trash and Treasures in the Feed. We are doing a sort of special experiment this week, which I believe we are tentatively calling Drunken Book Club. I am very <laughs> I sober there's any right other now. kind of book club. Listen, there are certain kinds of book clubs, and some involve wine, and some involve us. That made no goddamn sense. <laughs> no, no, the wine book clubs tend to be boring. Oh, I've gone right. to them. Okay. Who are we? Existentially, or... Um, so, if you have found this podcast because you are looking for people to talk about Anne Rice and have not heard our other podcast, you know, give it a listen. It's got movies. We like movies. We snark at them. And my name is Vry, and this is Dorothy. Hi. And we have a lot of feelings about Anne Rice that apparently will not be contained to that one podcast we did about queen of the damned or the background of literally every podcast that we seem to manage to sneak it into i make no apologies well after this many years i apologize because i don't regret <laughs> no you're I'm supposed not to actually that scary it just sounds good also i have a sore throat yeah we are we are blasting drunkenly through all kinds of illness in this podcast and in the edit i am going to attempt to get the gross mouth sounds out um but i apologize in advance to you listener. But uh, the drunkenness is an important component of this, because uh, we have decided that the best way to rage against books that raise many, many questions from every possible standpoint, critically, theoretically, logistically, is to get trashed and uh, just see how, how far down the rabbit hole we can get. Down the rabbit hole or up our own asses. <laughs> Are those not the same thing? <laughs> I see you, Lewis Carroll. I see what you did. Actually, have you ever read White Stone Day? It's a great Victorian-era um, mystery based around... Anyway. Um, oh god. That's, I own that's it. a dark rabbit hole. <laughs> so, Rye is drinking uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer tonight. It tastes of vanilla and goodness. Because they're a lightweight, and this is very true. <laughs> I am drinking... Uh, La Louisiane cocktails because I'm a trained mixologist and it seemed appropriate. Dorothy does the booze good. The reason we are drinking on this fine occasion is that we read Anne Rice's 2012, was it 2012 or 2014? Fuck, I've already fucked this up. It's gotta be 2014. No, no, it, it already proves that uh, that we're definitely actually drinking, not just pantomiming. Oh no, I can't act this well. I'm super fucking drunk. 2014. The 2014 novel, uh, Prince Lestat. Alleged novel. No, no, totally, it's based in real facts. Remember, all of these books are. Oh yeah, These they are based on true actual facts experts. of things what happened. Uh-huh. We can't begin this way. Where shall we begin, then? No, we can't go down. <laughs> <laughs> I am born. I grow up. <laughs> Actually, I am born and I grow up might be a good place to start with this, honestly. You were wrong. You were wrong. We're going to ignore your advice, just like Daniel. <laughs> because honestly, th these books were very important to how we grew up, both of us. Hugely. I don't think I'd be who I am today if not for these 
beautiful, shitty garbage books. I know for damn well I wouldn't. They had a butterfly effect-like influence on my life. Even when the books themselves weren't affecting me, the decisions I made relative to them were. Just getting interested in one thing, which led to another thing, which led to me meeting people. And I, you know, since we're, we're both writers who read Anne at a young and very formative age, and that purple prose oh, yeah. will be with us forever. Well, and just the experience in the late 90s and early 2000s of it being the only queer representation that oh, yeah. looked legit enough to get a hold of in a regular bookstore, but also trashy enough that your parents wouldn't pick it up and, and page through it. Mm. Yeah, because like fan fiction was a thing, but it was like a very shameful thing. Like there were not jokes about fanfic on, on At Midnight. At Midnight didn't exist because there wasn't Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that I, would be the dumb. first fanfic I discovered ever was in around the year 2000. It was Vampire Chronicles fic, and it was straight. It was by wow. someone named Julie, and it was uh, all about her um, her OC 40-something single woman self-insert hooking up with Louis and, and marrying him in a modified Catholic ceremony to account for his food allergies and uh, Lestat blessing, oh, blessing your union. Merrick? Why did you start with no, Merrick? No, this was a fic in the year 2000. Yeah, that's what I said. No, but Merrick wasn't named Cherie. We had multiple iterations on oh, that the, novel, But then. this was on a teal blue website with black text. Oh, God. The fonts. The fonts on those early websites. It was a bad time. I'm going blind early just thinking about it, not for the reasons I should be going blind early. <laughs> I do remember a lot of black backgrounds because goth. And blue text, because oh, I read wow. Louis Blue you, like an idiot. We both read Louis Blue, let's face it. Uh, in which Santino does things for reasons, I guess. So that, uh, the point of all of this rambling is, we like these books very, very much. Or rather, we like a specific number of these books. And then the general existence of the franchise has stayed with us to the point where we are, like, grown-ass adults with jobs? Getting drunk and talking about vampire novels? And getting angry about them at times. Yeah. That's the thing we're doing with our time. Like, we're gonna die someday. We're all gonna die someday, and we're talking about vampire books, and I have no well, problem Yeah, we're all with gonna this. die. So we talk about vampire books. It makes it less scary. Prince Lestat happened in 2012, after Anne had her weird yo-yo slap-slap-kiss relationship with the church for a few more years, and also, coincidentally, she sold a biography of Jesus and a book about werewolves that didn't sell I will sell never as well not be bitter books? about her Jesus fanfic. She wrote I will three never not Jesus be bitter. Fanfics. I want the church to sue her and her and harry her in her workplace the same way she did to others. Oh, the, yeah. Hey Anne, hey Anne, we didn't forget about the purge. We forgot. No, I was literally we there. there. I literally lost fix off fanfiction.net. Yeah, which was not the pit of vols at the time. It was the only game in town long before AO3. I just settled for being in an RP community, then having a panic attack and not using the internet for six months. Which is months. probably why we it's didn't fine. meet until, like, a year ago. It's probably for the best. I was a shitty teen. Uh, I was a shitty young adult. And again, this is why these books are important to me. Because, oddly enough, despite all that, good stuff happened. That is not the case with this book, though. Oh, God, That no. is not. Because Prince Lestat takes just about everything I cared about in these books 
and proceeds to rethink that. Proceeds to present us with a sort of updated cosmology. Guys. Guys, tentacles. Tentacles and yet no tentacle born. This is bullshit. I don't understand how the tentacles can be literal, but also metaphorical. Like, how is there literal tentacles that don't do anything? Because of science. There is very good science in this book. I hate science vampire. Not because I don't want a science vampire. I do. I want vampire scientists. That's interesting. But he doesn't do anything. No, he's great. He's great. Literally every character tells us he's great, so I'm pretty sure that means he's great. I... Nothing is accomplished by him. That's not true. We have a shitty clone because of him. Nothing is accomplished by him. (laughs) A shitty clone full of my real dad syndrome. A shitty clone who has a wonderful mom and a wonderful adoptive family and step-parents and everything who only cares about his, uh, his semen donor, let's face it. Oh yeah, like, his wonderful mom can apparently fuck off. She literally does not appear or speak after the sex scene at all. Nope, never once. We should probably explain this rant. Yeah, because here's the thing. Princess Stat doesn't sound real even when you do know what's going on, so I can't imagine hearing about it vaguely does any favors. The basic arc plot is Anne really, really wishes she could have a do-over on Queen of the Damned, so she wrote a direct sequel to it 20 years after the fact, and just... 25 years after the fact, and just um really, really, really hopes that we'll roll with it, considering all of the things she had happen in the interim. It's the most dedicated retcon I've ever seen. Because it still has all of the shit that happened since then in there. 25 years of bad decisions, just still in there, but not... Like the shitty body swapping, and the 12-year-old vampire, and the ghost, apparently, who was pretending to be Satan because she feels weird about that book now. That book, specifically. The one that didn't contain any rape. Hey, guys. Guys, content warning. There's a lot of rape in these books. It's bad. Like, there was always rape in these books, but now it's not, like... Framed as a bad thing is the problem. As it turns out, it's fine. It's fine. Like the, the, like the early ones where rape was shown as a bad thing? Nah, youthful foolishness. He should just be grateful because the guy who raped him into being a vampire was just making you, sure you really he wanted die. it in the end. Well, and, and now the guy that raped him into being a vampire is a uh, hot, sexy ghost who wears runway looks. Literally. Literally wears clothing. There were ghosts as far back as um, as Queen of the Damned, but it was specifically a thing that you couldn't interact with them once you were a vampire. It was part of the sacrifice of becoming a vampire. That's what Jessie gave up when she became a vampire, was her connection to her human dead mother, who low-key was a, um, a useless, worthless teenage pregnant slut, because Anne is good at things. Yeah, fuck that, by the way. Jessie doesn't get to talk about things at all in this book. I mean, like, she's there giving exposition, but, like, fuck her emotional connection to what's going on in this book. Well, no, she, she's a weak, a weak, quivering woman. I love Jessie. I really wish she would 
be allowed to be a character again. It's not, and like the problem isn't that she's sad. Like she has many good reasons to be sad. It's just that she doesn't get to. Like that's not given any spotlight. I am so sorry, listeners. I have gross mouth sounds, but her only living family member gets straight up murdered in this book. But apparently, well, we don't both have, of them. We don't have time to explore how she feels about that, except that she's making a lot of inconvenient cries off screen that make Lestat sad. And, like, David is around to take care of her now, despite the fact that they didn't really get along very well when she was alive? Well, he was paternal to her. God. Oh, God. I can't with the daddy issues in this book. This book? We didn't explain the plot at all! So, um, tell me if you've heard this one before, but... Go on! All over the world, primarily in non-U.S. or Western Europe locations, young vampires are bursting into flames here and there and everywhere. It is violent and terrifying, and also they're all terrible low-level riffraff and we hate them, but, you know, it's, it's still tragic and upsetting. Hey, how did all these vampires happen? Didn't Akasha, like, straight-up murder, like, 80% of the population? Meanwhile, we float into way more perspectives than we need on this situation with so many risen ancients and yes i'm literally recounting the plot of queen of the damned without the good parts no well the good part is the vampire greg because we have a vampire named greg oh yes we've got the vampire greg now (laughs) not to mention grimlock starfire knuckles you tell them there you tell them his actual name because it's just as stupid Gremt Stryker Knollis is a character who is a ghost, who was never not a ghost. He's not a ghost of anybody. He's just a ghost. He's always been a fucking ghost. And he wears clothes. I thought he was great when Kevin Bacon played him in X-Men First Class. <sighs> but he wears clothes. All ghosts wear clothes because- then Yes, they- Anne goes out of sexy. her way to explain that the ghosts all wear clothes, like real human people clothes, like- that exist on the material plane and were purchased at stores. Because how else can we have clothing porn? We have to describe what everyone is wearing. But couldn't ghosts make way cooler clothes than that? Like, manifest them? No. No one can now do human fashion designers, which in Anne's mind probably consist entirely of swishy gay men. As opposed to masculine gay men like Lestat this week. Yeah, well, um... Lestat, who is masculine this week... He's a cowboy, you see. This week? On account of she's been listening to a lot of Bon Jovi. Oh my god, she dedicated this book to him. She dedicated Literally, this book to Bon Jovi. Literally, she dedicated this book to Bon Jovi. Oh my god. But the book doesn't actually start with the burnings, is the thing. First Lestat, first Lestat makes a clone. But, but going back to the dedications, though, I'm very discomfited. If I were Chris Rice, I'd be really uncomfortable with the dedications of this book. I really got one. He comes in third after Stan and Michelle. And he's going to write that TV show that's definitely going to happen. Oh, God. (laughs) Somebody figure out a way to crowbar both of them off the project and just put Brian Fuller in charge of it. He's got time. Brian Fuller, please, please save these beautiful trash vampires. Give me murder husbands eating people. Yes. I don't care which version you do at this point, Brian. Just give me one of the two. Hannibal season four, vampires. Either Bold way, you can, you can indulge in clothing porn, set porn, pretension, and murder. 
He can't do food porn with vampires, though. People are food porn. <laughs> yeah, but he can't cook them. He cannot cook them and make beautiful table spreads out of vampire food. Now you're just challenging him, and I respect that. You can do it. You can Please do it. Please issue this challenge directly to him so that he will feel obligated to respond. That's right. Mads Mikkelsen is in Death Stranding now, and everybody thinks that's the weirdest thing out there. What do you say to that, Brian Fuller? I still think Mads would be a great choice for Marius, but also a terrible one. Don't do that to me. Because do he'd be too to sympathetic. Don't. No. 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 Mads is probably too pure and innocent to understand what the fuck Marius is, honestly. With his fucking harem of 15-year-old boys? God, I hope so. But but that's fine. We're fine with that now, is the thing. He thought he was wrong once, but he was mistaken. At one point, he thought making Armand was the worst thing he ever did. But you know what? Then he made Benji, and he realized it was fine. It's fine. And, and you know, Nocter, Notker, Nutsack... <laughs> has an entire music school of quote vampiric castrados guys guys as it and turns this is out, fine as it turns out all you have to do to make vampires sing good is turn them before they hit puberty thus trapping them forever in their tiny bodies they they are not exactly portrayed as being sentient or anything you know the thing that was like the central conflict of interview with the vampire now it's just a cute goofy gimmick what fun. But, but Lestat, though. But Lestat, though. And the plot, though. There is and one. And the voice. We're just drunk. We should probably start with the voice. Or the cloning, either one. Fuck, so there's this fucking voice that's been bugging Lestat um, and telling him to murder people, just like, you know. For 25 years, apparently. Yeah, this is fine, but he can turn it off whenever because Lestat is perfect and handsome. And also very good to smooch on the lips. And we should all love him. Which book was it that he started out with saying, in case you haven't read these before ever, let me describe myself as super sexy because I want you to fall in love with me. Which one was that? I want to say it was Body Thief. I think so. It's not Blood Canticle because that's the one where he yells at people. I mean, Anne. I mean, Lestat le yells at people for not appreciating the his books enough. Blood Canticle is the one where she threw a shit fit in the Amazon section, so. Hey, this is an audio recording snapshot of us of us interrogating the text from the wrong perspective. We've what? done it. We've yes. done it. We are beautiful pillars of salt, and I'm not you sorry. You know what? I am You know what? I am certified in in my capacity to interrogate the text from any perspective I can fucking defend. That's true. You have a master's degree. The I author is dead bachelor's degree and therefore i should shut up and listen to the singular interpretation that the author definitely intended <sighs> oh there is so much setting porn because while lestat is hearing this voice that doesn't bother him at all he's traveling around the world because fuck his obligations what obligations he is lestat right except he he's stops a in wild California and untamed thing and and he visits a science vampire, or is visited by a science vampire. And the science vampire's old daddy. Oh, there's- every vampire has a daddy. In exactly the way you're thinking. Yep. Science vampire's name is Fareed, and apparently he has this entire backstory where his awful whore of a wife and, um, 
and her extramarital partner poisoned him and put him in a coma where he was in a locked-in state until the vampire turned him. And that's all his, his backstory. But it was dispensed of in literally a paragraph and we don't talk about it. Well, yeah, because like once he was a vampire, he realized that the plot needed him to do that, not that anymore. So once he woke up as a vampire, he realized that miraculously, he didn't give a fuck about being murdered to death. It is amazing how that works. Which makes me question why we included that whole thing in the first place, but... So that we know he is deep and full of depth, just like his name is Fareed, because Anne realized that her old books are kind of racist, but then she just found new ways to make them racist. Like, somebody told her you need more not-white people in here, and then she included people who were once not-white when they were alive. But it's fine, because when you get to be older as a vampire, you become white. This is an ideal state of ascendance. Like you progress towards whiteness over the course of, of the centuries. Mm-hmm. So and she did that. Lassav visits the science vampires, and in a paragraph, they convert him to skepticism. Which, listen, I'm all for skepticism, but these books are and built yes, on Lassav a- And yes, was always atheist. Oh, Yeah. He was always an atheist character. He's always been an atheist, but he's also always had a mm, a spiritualist component, I guess, that he is looking not necessarily for God, but a way to make an ordered universe that makes sense. Though he doesn't believe in justice. He does believe in aesthetics. He does. He believes they're very important. He could not handle a universe without individual sentient actors within it. His approach to that has never been scientific inquiry. So I believe that Lestat would be interested in science, but that probably he would look at it through an aesthetic lens, which is not what happens here. And Anne doesn't seem to understand a lot about science. It's like a chick tract, but for science. Like, golly, I never thought of that before. Yeah. And this is fucking rich, considering that Anne Rice is the person who included in one of her earlier books... A scene in which the magical witch What's-Her-Fuck-Mayfair literally causes a heart attack in a guy who is revealed to be, I swear to God, performing experiments on aborted fetuses to learn things about stem cells. And the fetuses cry out for vengeance. So she causes a heart attack and this is presented as a morally correct act. Based in the intrinsic nature of her magic. And oh, in case you th- you're you wondering, these are entwined universes. No, it's fine. So that happens in this universe. She killed Mona and Quinn off stage in the burnings because we're pretending the crossover books don't exist. I'm just saying Anne's inability to present a unified cosmology are awkward and are based entirely on her inability to find herself over the course of her lifetime. Which is why a book series should probably not span 12 books over the course of a person's life. 40 years. Because naturally you change as an artist and an author and as a person, like ideally, but then you go on to write new things with new characters. Anne can't do that, so she just sticks with either rewriting the same characters into unfortunate caricatures of themselves who suddenly conform to her current thinking or backstaging characters who she can't justify that with. Oh yeah, fuck Louie. Yeah. 
and just deciding that character isn't important anymore because I don't agree with them anymore. And because it's too painful to think about when I was that person. And I, I find that just a, an appalling breach of artistry. The idea that you can't write a character that you don't agree with on some level. The idea that this character must not be compelling to anyone anymore. Well, no, because she doesn't find them interesting anymore, so nobody does. And also, Marius? Great fucking guy. I'm gonna invite that guy to my barbecue. Ugh. The stop calls the science vampire so he can have sex. Yeah. With, like, a... Like a... Human woman because of reasons? She has to look just fucking like him. Yeah. Like, his description of fucking Flannery Gilman... Which, oh, I see what you did there, Anne, and I don't approve of it. But it's their famous feminist authors, which is why this is fitting, because Flannery Gilman never fucking appears again. Well, she does, but off stage, She is mentioned. I, I just like that she is in the blood, according to the, quote, blood argot by then. Like, it's it specifically mentioned that by then she's been turned. But when all hell is breaking loose in the final chapters, somebody says to her son who is a 19-year-old human, take care of your mom. And he's like, yeah, I'll take care of mom. You know, the vampire. But I'll make sure that her crazy woman brain... Listen, this book doesn't like women very much. Why was Fareed turned into a vampire? Because he knows how to science. He's the only one. He is the only person to ever science. We couldn't get Carlos. A except that Flannery Gilman was explicitly doing vampire-related science as early back as Lestat's actual concert, as in she was gathering data from the ash smears on the pavement after the Cow Palace incident. Okay, but you're missing the part where she doesn't have a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And listen. She very definitely is best served as existing as a specimen cup for Lestat's I... carefully enhanced semen. I am all in favor of queer vampires. That is literally why I am here. Mm-hmm. But... It should have been Flannery. She's the more interesting person. But Fareed is exotic. And don't tell me that that's not why Anne is making all of these new non-white vampires now. It is a combination of feeling uncomfortable about people pointing out that she's racist as fuck and deciding that, well, I like this exotic type. Whee! Yeah, we still have this thing where, like, like even back to the ancient Egyptian vampires... The most beautiful vampire was Sivrain, who is blonde and has blue eyes. And all the other vampires are astounded. And she was horribly oppressed by the, the terrible peoples of the Egypt, because they thought that her blue eyes and blonde hair meant that she was an evil witch. Like, when will these blonde-haired, blue-eyed white women get a break? True. I say this as a white person. Oh yeah, no, we're both white as fuck. The disclaimer we must always make. And I'm a woman, so... I'm drinking. Literal drinking. I am the personified concept of alcohol. I'm very upset about Lestat is the thing. Because I love this boy. I love this dumb boy. This is not him. This is not the boy that I love. This is not my beautiful boy. This is not my beautiful home. And you look at yourself? I look at my boy and I say, And what the fuck did you do? Everyone's in love with Lestat in this book. All of them. Every character we meet. The relationships in this book. Seth, Seth, the guy who made the science vampire, who is Akash's son, by the way, you may remember her as the vampire who caused a genocide a few books ago in 20 years, uh, who's just woefully misguided 
in her police. And also an awful misandrist. But an interesting character is the thing. Like, there were bits in there you could reach in and pluck out and be like, okay, this is an interesting thing. You could think about it. There is no Listen, nuance here. If a, if my only experience of the human race were through Marius's eyes, I too would believe we should kill all men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and... <laughs> And the fact that at that time there was explicitly some sort of um, mental battle going on between her and Enkeel for centuries. Fuck that guy. Enkeel, who's that? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't in get mentioned book, in this Enkeel book. Enkeel is literally not mentioned, ever. Yeah, The guy who was an abusive, abusive fuckwad, and part of the reason that Akasha learns to hate men? No, fuck, fuck, he's not mentioned at all here. Does not matter. But what does matter is that Akasha really hated all these lady vampires who ended up getting made. She didn't want no other women competing with her and all of her vampire manslaves. Because that checks out with her characterization before. Right, in which she wanted to murder 90% of uh, all males on Earth and keep the rest for breeding purposes. So and create as to... like a universal sisterhood. And, I, and granted, we're well aware that Anne clearly never believed that was a good plan because A, Anne's a horrible misogynist and always was, and B, because it didn't work out in the story. And she had this, again, rather didactic little argument of, but maybe you don't know, though. Why do you say these things when I'm so low on alcohol? <laughs> you have like four more brute beers. Yeah, but this one I'm holding is almost empty. <laughs> and this is high-level pain. Akasha was badly handled, but but she was a character. She she was a character, is the thing. And so many of the horrific constructs that wander through this book are not characters. No! They are distractions not- from the characters we like, but are not on stage. It, it, there are active efforts to keep us away from the characters we give a shit about. To keep it going for 600 fucking pages. But, but don't you see, that's the thing we can praise about this book. Is that now Trinity Gate exists. Yeah, and Lestat owns it. Dial back a little, rewind. Rewind to the time when it was good. For like that brief... That, that brief uh, period from 2002 through 2014 when... That all existed, but we didn't see it on screen at all? Yeah, because we're not interested in that, but we know it exists. We know that those characters we've been following since that first book in 1976 found each other again and apparently made up and raised a child and were happy for a decade, but we, we don't need to see that on screen. how this ruined the OTP. How this yeah. made and ruined the OTP in a single book. Because here is the thing. 15-year-old me is so confused. Before, like, long before I read this book, there's a scene at the end where Lestat and Louis finally get back together after 30 fucking years. And when you read that scene on its own, it's fine. It's validating and all that shit. And then you read it in context, and it's not fine. It's not fine at all. This book has the kiss. They kiss on screen! Like, this This is the holy grail of OTP moments. The hashtag canon, it really is gay thing that everybody campaigned for throughout the 2000s was, it's canon. Mm-hmm. Because 
These books because famously canonicity have a cadre. Is what... Yeah. Dicks didn't touch. <sighs> so they finally kissed. But they kissed at a point where this is not Lestat. This is the horrible pod person that has replaced him. Melded with him. Here's the thing about Lestat, about whom I have many feelings. In the first three books, Lestat is the world's biggest fuck-up. Like, he's an asshole. And he has a really hard time considering other people's feelings and viewpoints outside of his own. Because he tries to make people happy, but he has no idea how anybody can be happy in any way besides what makes the him happy. The way that makes him happy. But, like, he was always trying, and the upshot of Queen of the Damned was that, may, excluding that epilogue, because fuck that last chapter, it didn't happen, <laughs> is that he's trying to make a concerted change to be a more equal and open partner for Louis, who he still loves and regrets the loss of. And who Louis actually made an effort to reach out to him. Yeah, like, I they're mean, both Louis trying Louis actually to- took that step. They're, they're both trying to change and be better people and give this horrible marriage that they had a second try. But that might not have really been a marriage. They just raised a child together as a same-sex couple in the fucking 1800s. For 70 years. Coincidentally. But then you have to... So, like, if you just consider the three books, they're fine. But then bad things happened because the books kept going. And then in the... Anne decided she didn't want to deal with Louis anymore. And so she writes him off screen. And she might, she writes Lestat as more and more of a wish fulfillment figure. Which means... And I don't like what that says about her as a person, considering how his wishes get fulfilled. Oh. See, because like Lestat's always been sort of a glamorous fuck-up. But he, he gets... He always had people around him who would call him on his shit. Like, he had his mother... And Louis and Armand, who would kind of, or just like cosmically bad things would happen to grind him down into the dirt as moral comeuppance for all the bad, bad shit he did legitimately do in the midst of trying to do good. But in the later books, the universe bends its will to prove that Lestat was right about all of the things. Hashtag moral relativism, except not really because Lestat is right. Um, Including when he... He has sex with a woman and refuses to use a condom, and she is screaming at him to stop in Tale of the Body Thief. And when he turns David into a vampire against his will, also in Tale of the Body Thief. Tale of the Body Thief, the rape book. I have written meta upon it. The fucking rape book. And then after, like, a week of being kind of pissed at him for violating all of his, like, personal space and boundaries and ethics, David comes back and is like, you know, you were right. I did secretly want to be a vampire all along, but I just couldn't say yes. So thank you. Lestat, you the rapist were correct all along, and I forgive you. That's where we are when Prince Lestat comes around, but worse and more. And this fucking book is just a continuation on that morality. Everything Lestat does is somehow right, even if we cannot tell how it is right right this instant. Seriously, every new character is in love with him. Like, he talks to Seth Explicitly for two on days. the page. Yeah. And then, like, this ancient vampire who is Akasha's son is like, Man, I'm so in love with you. Let's make out. And then that is never spoken of again. 
And uh, the vampire Greg is in love with him. Oh, yeah, super in love with him. Despite having multiple blood wives. Fuck. Also a dude he bangs on the side, but mostly the blood wives are important. As we know, vampires have a great deal of use for heteronormative marriage structures. And, like, I, I am fine with the inclusion of poly structures. I am all for that. To that end, could we not do this whole... Let's have a word that means exactly the same thing as an exclusive heterosexual human relationship, but just with blood tacked on the beginning of it? Well, it's fine. She also invented blood spouse. That means she's equal opportunity. But but they don't do anything with that. But but Davis, the black dancer vampire, oh is god. never addressed. Oh my god, poor Davis. He just wants to dance. He just wants to dance. He's a dancing queen. Oh, God. Young and sweet. And like, only 17. Like, like, did you forget that he was black? <laughs> Don't worry. Anne will remind you every time he comes back on screen. Oh, God. Because obviously, all characters should be assumed white unless you append their ethnicity to Don't their forget Murray, the bodyguard to Rose. Who exists to be Jewish and rescue Rose? Rose. Oh, God. Rose. Rose. In this this interim, after jizzing into a scientist because Lestat don't jerk off, we, we should discuss this. Lestat never in his human life ever jerked off. He only has two-person sex. So when he was given tea shots... By the science vampire, in order to collect his semen for science reasons that Lestat didn't ask about because Lestat's an idiot, uh-huh. Lestat was provided a female scientist who has nothing better that, to do than to literally sit around in a boudoir. Which they have, a for sexins, Equipped for sexins within the science compound where he can fuck this lady who looks strikingly like him. There never seems to be any, like, obviously it's happened because Fareed wants to secretly make a clone baby, but, like, Lestat never shows any inclination of, hey, maybe I would like a male partner. Lestat is stupid as fuck, and it's like, obviously you'll want to fuck this lady. Yeah, obviously. Because vaginas. They have a mystical power. If I were providing a random partner for Lestat, let's face it, I'd pick up a scene kid from the local club who writes poetry in, in... his fucking moleski in a notebook. Yeah, you would pick, like, a, a sad-eyed boy with dark hair that's probably gotten a little bit too long, and he's not entirely pulling it off. Yeah, just embarrassing. Too tight of jeans. And this beautiful boy would be tying too hard. He's trying his best. Definitely a hoodie involved. It, with his, it, and given the given that it's um set ni- 19 years ago from 2014 i would say he's got his thumbs through holes in the hems of his hoodie and he paints his nails so sad oh he just wants so unloved like this this is who you you throw out there as meat to bang lestat not someone who looks exactly like lestat and his mother i mean I mean, as much as Anne shies away from it in this book, she did definitely imply that Lestat wants to bang his mom. Yeah. Because 
because he's a he's a queer guy, you see. And that means he must have a very close and complicated relationship with his mother, as long as we're hitting all of the stereotypes. She did use the word intense when they uh, met up again. Oh, oh, Gabrielle, you were a beautiful godsend in this book. I've got little hearts by all of her passages, mostly. She's so wonderful. She slapped him. She did what I could not. But Rose. But Rose, though. So after um, accidentally generating a clone by not asking what you're going to do with his jizz after you science it out of him, Lassad apparently um, was fucking around an island that had an earthquake in the Mediterranean. Greece, right? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere there. And acquired a child like Lassad do. Like he do. But he didn't vampire this one. He learned his lesson. Except he didn't. At all. And her name is Rose, and she has blue eyes and black hair and is very pure. So pure. So pure she can't shit in front of other people. That's right. So when I she will gets... never be over that. Yeah, see, because she gets taken away to, like, evil Christian conversion, conversion camp. Except it's not conversion camp because she's not gay. She's very hetero. Right. Yeah, see, here's the thing about this, is that you could have made a thing about how terrible Christian camps are. But that wasn't good or dramatic enough. We couldn't have Rose actually be a troublemaker and still a character that we're supposed to sympathize with. Or God forbid that she likes Unlike the Lestat ladies. Unlike was originally. Yeah, right? Like, like father, Lestat like daughter. originally was a troublemaking character that we empathized with. Right? But these days, we're all about the establishment. Well, and we'll also, get to that. also, she's a girl. So she has to be pure and demure and she likes books and shit. And dick. And dick. Not the ladies. No, we we could not we could not sympathize with her if she did not. And she like likes dick. dick, but only in the most abstract fashion possible. And usually, it's ill advised unless she's banging her daddy. Oh my God, or his clone, or a reasonable approximation thereof. But it is so when she goes to Christian camp, it's actually a racket because she got an offender bender, and the judge was paid off to send her away to this camp to increase their numbers. Because but that's like, a thing how that did happens. she get into the fender bender in the first place? Because every particle of this character is designed to where there is no way she would have taken that car out without permission. Well, but f with all of her friends that we know so much about that she has, it is out of character in order to further plot. But it's okay because Lestat's fucked off for like ten years by this point. But Louis steps up and and steps in for his absent parenty ass and sets the shit on fire for Lestat because that's what Louis's good at that's what he do he set thing on fire for make benefit Lestat's stupid fucking parenting decisions which are the worst he is a bad parent who should not have children yeah because he doesn't give a shit about Rose is the thing well he likes her when she's small and adorable and he can feel like he saved her and then he just Sort of, he ghosts her, let's face it. Yeah. Like, gives her no way to contact him, vanishes for, like, ten years. Keeps, like, providing money and shit to her custodians, who are totally not a lesbian couple. Oh, no, no, certainly very heterosexual, yes. Mm. Very definitely not a lesbian couple, because one of them moves with her and the other one doesn't. They were just living together as pals. Gal pals. What could be better than that? You know, that? because he provided them money. 
because they were retired educators. Roommates. Buds. Gosh, those platonic friendos. So we took a break because I didn't have enough booze and I didn't think to put as many root beers as I'd need in the fridge, so I have cider now. Oh, that is comparatively bitter. Mmm. Yep, that sure is gingery. Okay, where the fuck were we? Uh, Rose? Right. So Rose, I hesitate to call Rose a Mary Sue. Because... Lestat is the traditional definition of a Mary Sue. Not a wish-fulfillment fantasy who has a lot of powers and is good at things, but a character to whom the entire universe literally bends its will. Like, every character agrees with them and thinks that they're beautiful or is impressed by them, and every character who doesn't like them, we are given to know then is a villain. That is a Mary Sue. Rose is just this mildly, extremely alarming purity fantasy. That She's I do not a care Bella. for. She is. She is. She is Bella. And and Anne takes so many shots at Twilight, but Victor and Rose are Bella and Edward, is the thing. But Victor is alive and can give her the dick like once or twice beforehand. It's true. Because, as we must all remember, these vampires are super dead, despite how often Anne makes them breathe, but then talks about their bodies dying. Fucking stop it. It bothered me. But, but Victor can give her the human boner. At least I assume that's what's implied by his smell was on her sheets or whatnot in Trinity Gate. Oh, no, they super fucked. Like yeah, but we're not shown it, so. Like, imagine these kids have, like, 12 hours a day when literally every adult who has any impact on their lives are napping. Like, and they use it to have sex and do nothing else. They don't run around and have fun. They, they do nothing. No, they are good, obedient children. How dare you? I, they're so boring is the problem. Oh, they are the most boring. But Bella Rose's um, plot, alleged plot, with her Christian conversion camp and her totally not lesbian co-parents... Yeah, but then she goes to college and tries to date her professor. Like, he couldn't just be a dickhead. Because this is Anne Rice. No. He tries to double suicide. He acid bathes her face. Which would be a horrible um, tragedy, because then she'd be ugly. God forbid! No, Anne spends this entire book as a rampant defense of the idea that just because you're ugly, you can't eventually become worthy of love by becoming beautiful. That's the primary message of this book, is if you're ugly and you try real hard, you can become beautiful and then people will love you. Traditionally beautiful. Mind. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's, all of a sudden, this book has a new, like, hashtag no fatties, hashtag no uggos principle to vampirism that was not there in the early books. Like, all of the vampires in the early books were hauntingly beautiful. They were not, however, ever described as explicitly within this very narrow category of traditional attractiveness. There was always an uncanniness to it. Like, once you become a vampire, whatever you were is suddenly incredibly alluring. But no, no, now it turns out that the only people chosen to vampire are the most hot, 
attractive mortal people. And then well, the few and people... And then who, the ghosts. Yeah. Well, but there are a couple vampires who we get to hear about who were not attractive when they were vampired. But luckily they died. Luckily they were set on fire. No, no, there was... Yeah, and then she came back. The one lady who was just, like, fugly, apparently. Right, But Heskin. he was so devoted... She was so devoted, you guys, that he was rewarded that when she became a ghost, she was as traditionally hot as he always knew she was. It's not that he came to appreciate, like, her inner person. Nor is it that vampires can appreciate an entire other level of you as a person. Nope. It's just that he was really, really hoping that this fugly person with a clever mind would turn into a hot person. And that, no, and the one-legged vampire, the one-legged vampire who was Flavius. so, yes, Flavius, who was so grateful that they would put up with him for his terrible deformity of having only one leg. God forbid, God forbid he not be able-bodied. And, but we fixed it. The science vampire fixed it. It's fine. So now he has two legs. It's, it's not that other people need to get comfortable with the fact that he has one leg and is a whole person that way. No, we just need to get him another leg and fix him. Uh, which involved literally turning a human being into a vampire and extracting the leg and then killing that person. I'm just saying. Nah, fuck that guy. He's not a named character. And as you know, uh, a pers- people we know the names of are important to us. But I know entirely too many names in this book and they're not important to me. no. See, here's the thing. You know who doesn't get a per point of view chapter in this book? Armand? Daniel? Fucking Marius, even? No, fucking well, Marius, no, Marius does. Marius gets point of view chapters. But Armand, Daniel, Louis before the epilogue. And even the epilogue, I'm not convinced, is a genuine Louis POV. It seems an extrapolation weird. of events, but it does not act... For one... Lestat is not actually capable of writing a Louis POV. Mm. Given the way we have been informed of how Lestat writes POV characters within Queen of the Dam, canonically, the way Lestat constructs other characters' POVs is he interviews them to horrible journalistic standards because he doesn't know what he's doing, because he's not Daniel. He interviews them, and at the same time, scans their minds and extrapolates whatever the fuck he wants and writes it down and puts it all together whether they want it that way or not but he cannot do this thing to louis he can't do it to louis on multiple levels because he cannot scan louis because louis is fledgling but also his horrible demon possessor cannot scan louis either this is true because uh spoilers Spoilers for the new book, which is terrible. There is literally no way he can get into Louis's mind. So that chapter is literally only what Louis or some other person could have told him. And as we know, it's a giant conspiracy. We haven't even talked about the demon, though. Oh, yeah. Hey, so guys, folks, people, um, the voice that Lestat was hearing. Well, people were bursting into flames, but we don't give a shit about them because they're riffraff. Because, see, like, back in Queen of the Damned, we established that demons caused vampiring. Uh, a, a demon entered Akasha, and that became the first vampire, and then the blood spread. Uh, so it turns out it's not like a spiritual connection, because Anne is over that now. Pfft. 
nonsense. Um, it's actual living tentacles of a strange, unknowable being, like literal tentacles. On account of bird aliens, but we don't know that yet. Shh, it's a secret. And so, the reason that we are burning all these riffraff non-European vampires is because there are too many tentacles, and it hurts our central demon character, who was previously established to not be like cognizant and sentient inside right, a mountain. Within uh, the last 20 years. Apparently that's different now. Also, it's written consistently as the last 20 years, despite that it's 30 years, because Anne is embarrassed by age. Time constraints are timeline hard bad. Honestly, hard it bad. would make more sense if it was just immediately after Queen of the Dam, but How do you up, expect so. her to understand timelines when the children of Satan exist? It was the children of darkness. No, according to this book, it's the children of Satan. It gets repeated over and over and over again. That's how we know it was accurate and was definitely well, fact What's embarrassing is when the phrase children of darkness gets recycled to just refer to vampires. <laughs> and it's like, that that was a specific name for a cult there, Anne. You wrote it. The, the cult that you went out of your way to establish is really bad and soul-crushing. Oh, and but hey, somehow Armand is a bad person for being part of it. Yeah, but by the way, we don't need to look back into that at all, despite the fact that we've now retconned Memnock from being the devil into being an evil spirit. But, like, you know, that thing that caused Armand to try to commit suicide? Yeah, fuck that. We don't need to know the how this knowledge affects him. The teenager was literally brainwashed into a cult. Eh, his fault. He should have known better. Fuck Armand is the thing. That is the overall message of this book. Fuck my beautiful teenage shitlord. He had a family. He had a shitty teenage son. He had a very boring music box of a daughter. I'm so angry that Sybil is not a character that Anne does not give a shit about her aside of the fact that she accompanies Benji's podcast, which is a podcast, Anne. Learn words. Streaming internet radio, yo. That is a modern thing. Which, like, before you come at me, yeah, I know that Howard Stern has a streaming radio show. He puts it up as a podcast. And also, it can't be a live show. Because, oh my god, I, I remember when I was reading this and I texted you and I was like, okay, but how? And I didn't get it because I don't understand how time works and neither does Anne, apparently. But I remember when this happened and it was hilarious because I was like, wait, no, no, no. It says he has call-in people calling in from China and Singapore and Hong Kong. And I still and wasn't just struggling it. to keep up with with their language as they call in from there. And I was like, but how? And I... Because he's based in New York City. Yeah, this makes sense. This is fine. I don't see any problem. Sorry, was there a problem? Anne's vampires have a very specific mechanic is the thing. Very, very specific mechanic with regards to daylight. They don't just have to stay out of it. This is not Buffy time, where you can, like, keep an umbrella or a tarp over you to avoid the sunlight. You done get corpsed. And, moreover, it's not just that you done get corpsed, but because nobody gets corpsed these days. Actually, sunlight is completely non-lethal to vampires in this book. Only the old vampires, which are the only ones we care about. Right. But, no, beyond that, it's that 
sunlight renders vampires unconscious when it's happening in their part of the world. So how exactly, time zone-wise, is Benji broadcasting live from New York and receiving calls from parts of the world where it's broad daylight? I find, I, I think you'll find that the answer to this very astute question is fuck you. Oh, well, never mind then. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> and then there's all of the other vampires we don't give a fuck about. The, the old ones or the young ones? Because I don't give a fuck about any of the old ones. Uh, Marius exists. I don't he give a fuck about him. He continues to be him. the worst. He continues to be the worst in new and inventive ways. He is boring and I don't give a fuck about him. Yeah, but he's got a shiny new Stockholm Syndrome friend. Who was, I mean, they have a very loving relationship. Anne said so. Daniel sure does exist. And is not doing anything. Somebody else is the primary vampire broadcaster. Yeah, Benji radio. did definitely chomp chomp Daniel's flavor. And I like Benji. Like I, I'm surprised by how much I tolerate his existence, plus some. But 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 why is it not Daniel? Because fuck Daniel. He's off having Stockholm syndrome. He went mad, which is Anne's blanket phrase for any non-neurotypical character having a breakdown of any kind or just existing and now Marius has reshaped him into a quiet complacent companion and we're fine with this uh-huh I'm it's glad that you're on board best. I mean it's fine that Marius scoffs now. whenever Daniel you? tells him to like invites him out to do something that Daniel enjoys because of course his interests are stupid and Marius is painting shit in abandoned houses, on the other hand, is art. That's right. And whenever he texts Daniel to come home because he's worried and can't bear to have Daniel more than like five feet away from him, Daniel on should just iPhone. do that with... Yeah, on his because everybody has a fucking iPhone. Daniel should just be fine with this, because that is how co-equal partners work. You just tell somebody to come home without explaining why, and then they do it. Also the iPhones. Oh, fucking iPhones for days. Everybody's got an iPhone. I I will not live if Lestat does not have a rose gold iPhone, frankly. You know that he does. You know that he does. Ew. From one of his many unnamed lawyers. Yes, his lawyers go to the iStore for him. Lestat is banned from the Apple Store. It, it's like crucifixes and shit. <laughs> for regular vampires. The ravings of a demented Irishman? No, no, this actually works. Who the fuck said that that was okay for the movie, by the way? Like, just, like, racism against the Irish is over? I mean, Anne Rice is the one who had the only Irish-American vampire die of hashtag drink. I mean, he died of AIDS, but yes, ostensibly he died from alcoholism. Anne's, Anne's racism against the Irish was totally there, is the thing. The fact that, sh that she wrote a character who absolutely should be considered to have died of AIDS does not blank out the fact that she was trying to write an Irish character who died of alcoholism. Whoops! It is unfortunate on multiple counts. Hey, but what about the vampire Benny, though? I, What is that meme? I love it. I want to protect it. <laughs> uh, push the button. A, the vampire Benny, who is the boyfriend of the vampire Roche, 
Roche is the dad oh, in this guy, equation though. because, spoiler alert, every vampire relationship from now on adheres to a very specific set of parameters. DDLG is the term. Oh god, the fact that you- why do you know that? Because Tumblr. Okay. Because Tumblr happens on my dash and I unfollow things and I don't know. The daddy kinkster still found you. You will never be pure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But that's the point. Is that that is the entirety of all relationships here, though. Yeah, somebody somebody done showed Anne some bad yaoi anime. And it was a bad time. And all of the semes are like 12,000 years old. They're not actually that old because... So, so that their partners are infinitely weaker than them and could never ever fight back even if they could conceive of such a thing. And also their partners are stupid children and don't have nearly the perspective so they should just close their pretty little mouths. Oh my god! And not talk. And also, they will never ever learn enough to ever measure up to their partners so they should just keep their mouths shut for all eternity. Yeah, but but the fucking is probably good, right? I mean, nipples were mentioned. I've never seen worse foreplay. I've never read worse for how? Like you tweak his nipples once and then you you do the vampiric equivalent of of sticking it in. But with your pants on to make sure that dicks don't touch. That's right. I mean the pants were explicitly left on. <laughs> this is manful heterobonding. But but you know, the number of vampires I love that Anne clearly just googled cassocks and learned what the term thob meant and had to drop it into four different chapters. Oh, if I never see the word thob again, it would be too soon. In italics. Thob. Thob. And then, like, the last couple mentions, it wasn't described as a thob, so I was genuinely confused. Like, why aren't you leading me down this again, Anne? Well, because we're reading a first draft by Anne's own admission. She's really just trying to give us her, her raw, un- unvarnished truth. Yeah. Just like L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you think she's on pills too? You know what? I'm not going to go into all of the L. Ron Hubbard stories that I know. That will lead this podcast to a dark and slanderous place, and we cannot go there. You're just scared of the church. Maybe a little. Actually, I'm scared of Anne. And the church. <laughs> oh, that's what I want the late stage of. I literally Revolution just did a goddamn spit debate. take. No, stop. There's alcohol up my nose. You did this to me. I want Anne to join Scientology, like, next year. And to see what the next book looks like from that. I mean, tell me that the burb aliens are not Zemu. You tell me this thing. I cannot. I cannot. That's right, you can't. Uh-huh. But I want to see how crazy it goes. I want to see her go on CR. Yeah, she can sign the 10,000-year contract. We'll just get books forever. She would love that. This woman is scared of death. Oh, deeply. These She's books are deeply afraid. Of death. That's why she writes about vampires. I mean, that's why I'm reading them. Is because the thought of being a meat corpse fills me with abject fear. I mean, there are characters and authors you can say are terrified of death. Herbert West is terrified of death. That is his base level character component. Anything else beyond that is negotiable. 
but the hatred of death fuels this character. I mean, Lestat's entire character, ostensibly, is that he, he, he cannot deal with death. That's why he makes so many bad decisions. The worst decisions. And so many babies. Lestat, you're too young. Lestat, you're too young to be a dad. You're the worst dad. I know, he's only like 240 now. And he's got like six children. You stop that, sir. You stop that, my my terrible boy. Well, he's got way fewer children than that now. He's a nasty Honestly, boy. Honestly, he's got a survival rate similar to his mom. My god! She can't have done that on purpose, but fuck. By the way, speaking of speaking of Gabrielle, vampire lesbian caves. I want to go to there. The golden vampire lesbian caves that are still terrible and the worst, though. Shh. Let me have my vampire lesbian paradise. Uh, Shh. brain is big boned. God. Like, Anne finally remembered that lady characters existed for, like, a hot second. But then she made them done have a lesbian pool party for Lestat's with Lestat. benefit. And with castrato singers who have literally no brains other than that they sing. Why you do this thing? Because why you do relativism this thing? and not her. Right, uh, because the universe revolves around Lestat. Nutsack makes and- characters without descended nutsacks. God. A universe, a universe where these women tell Asat to get the fuck out because they're having a good time without him. It's not the universe that we are existing in now. Also, the square, the scare quotes around uh, loved. Uh, yeah, this is we 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 exists because Akasha scare quotes loved her. Quote unquote, and that ex. That, out of all the things, was put forth as evidence that uh, Akasha lacked actual divine inspiration and was just um, responding to the uh, the foul desires of her lady brain. This, mo- this, this book has such a weird fear of queer women with the dudes, with, with, with queer male relationships. We've moved up to, like, lover and partner. And meanwhile, poor Eleni, who... Eleni? Eleni and uh, her companion, Eugenie. Who survived, I guess. I'm in favor of this. I thought she was pretty alright. But yeah, her companion, quote-unquote. What? What? What is this? Why is every character who ever died suddenly back except the interesting ones? Yeah, no, fuck Nikki, though. He's super dead. And Claudia. The most dead. But, you know, the the crone is suddenly back and hot because she was only ugly because she thought she was ugly for reasons. Yeah. So now we're mixing in also Scientology the, and Christian the science. Also, she's the scion of the marriage vengeance. I, I don't see what you're failing to track here. This all makes perfect sense. So the reason Lestat goes to the vampire lesbian cave is, I don't know, Severin knows plot things? But not really. All they do is shame him into actually going and bothering with the plot after he's avoided it for like 12 years. Yeah, he spends like forever being like, I don't want to be involved with the plot that's going on and murdering thousands of people. Which like, fair enough, the vampires in this book have never cared about other people besides their own, besides like, fuck you got mine. Except that now we've got Benji, who is encouraging us to believe that we are all one brotherhood of vampire. And, like, explicitly trying to say that every vampire life is important, even though the book clearly doesn't think that's true. No, no, the important vampire lives are important. 
that's really what it boils down to is Anne is using the deaths of the younger, weaker vampires just as a uh, a statement piece in order to bring all of the vampires she actually gives a shit into the same place. Well, there's the, the, then there's the important fact, the unfortunate fact that when we do actually care about like rando vampires getting murdered, it's in Paris. Yep, when white European characters, literally anywhere in Asia or South America. Nope, fuck them or Africa. La, apparently, all of the country of South Africa gets itself murdered. You know, South Africa, that very small and concentrated area. She couldn't even say Johannesburg. Because we all know what District 9 is now. That's a place on a map that we can name as dumb Americans. <laughs> uh, then they all come back to New York and Victor gets ki- kidnapped and we don't care. Because he's had no screen time besides other people talking about how great he is. But, but and also has the, magnificent the dick. of Lestat's jizz that one time. Yeah. So we looks just like his dad. Victor. Also, Victor's name is spelled with a K. We spell his name with a K because his one dad is French and his other dad is Egyptian and his other dad is um, Indian and his mom is American. So we spell his name with a K. That's why we should use the Russian spelling. This makes sense. I want to talk about Trinity Gate. Oh, oh, it was a good place. It was a good place for like a hot second. But we don't get in there during that hot second. Oh, no, it's only when it needs to be the place for the meetings where everyone decides that Lestat is the best ever who has all the best ideas. And Armand is like, man, Lestat has the best ideas, a thing that he has been characteristically known for in all of these novels. Oh, yes. So basically, Armand acquired a couple of wards on account of uh, Marius being the worst and turning people that Armand did not want turned into vampires into vampires. Here, child, I I know that you're upset at me for making this 12-year-old vampire after I said you were the worst mistake I've ever made, but just be grateful for this favor I've done. And also, I'm going to take your boyfriend. Bye! Like, physically take him. Away. He's mine now, I traded. No backsies. Trade ya. (laughs) That's how fledglings work. Yep. Which is the thing, that, um, there is a distinct two-tier hierarchy in these books in in this book and it basically boils down to whether you're an owner or a subject that's all there is to it except in trinity gate before before but we don't get to see before so fuck it but yeah it basically boils down to there is a completely irrefutable two-tier hierarchy in these books of whether you are an owner or an owned person and I don't understand. Is there a problem with as, this? As age, but age has nothing to do with it. No, because Lestat's not even 300 years old yet. Yeah, timelines have nothing to do with it. It's just DBZ power level bullshit. Well, and I mean, later in spoilers, the next book that I may have read some things about, Louis keeps getting described as the youngest, even in situations where David is there, who is much younger than Louis. But David is perceived as having physical and sexual autonomy, whereas Louis is perceived as a person who is owned consistently. Beautiful, fetishistically human Louis. Even though Louis is, I will fight people on this, the most important character in the series. Not the most active, 
but the most important. Well, he's not my favorite character, but he's pretty great. He, he, he matters. Like he, a lot. He kicked off the whole series. Literally everything every other vampire does in terms of these mass media, which whether or not Anne wants to engage with it in a meaningful way, are all written as books being written that exist in universe. That's all in reaction to Louis doing a biography. Yeah, they're all in conversation with one another. And Louis opened that conversation. He revolutionized the vampiric conversation space. <sighs> but no, he's just there to show up at the end, tell Lestat that he was wrong and he's coming back now, and fuck that family that he made for a decade and seemed, and like all the other vampires, remark on how happy and content he seems now. He was just waiting around for Lestat and his dick. Mm -hmm. Magical, non-working, yet eternally turgid vampire dick. Oh my god. She can't decide. She can't decide what she wants to do. Have you- did- this book doesn't mention turgid vampire dicks at all. That's not a thing. He needs tea to get it up and have sex. Well, he needs tea to be attracted to her. Which is an unfortunate implication right there. Hey! And you did it bad again! Uh, I... am gonna stop thinking about that before I start breaking things. Because obviously you need to be on tea to want to fuck a woman. Yeah, I've always... That's just... I hate everything. Yeah. Hey, remember how poor... like So, like, Benedict, though. The oh. He's the saddest monk. He's, he's the, sa the saddest like Louis knockoff. He's like yeah, a he super is just Louis. like a clone of Louis, but I've just come to accept that at this point. So ideal, really. Much better than Louis. Because you can just keep him around and fuck him whenever you want. And he'll shut up when you tell him. Yeah, and he's so beautiful. No, that, that's a real line but in the book. But God, just so annoying when he talks, you guys. Is that he's attractive until he opens his damn mouth. Because he is, um, his daddy is Rochamandes. What a great way to spend your eternity. Akasha's soldiers from centuries and centuries ago. S 60 centuries. Fuck the stupidest way to put that. The stupidest. The worst. Light it on fire. But the point is that Rosh, who I spent the entirety of the book referring to as that asshole, has been like pinpointed by the voice as like, this guy's dumb enough that I could take over his body. Because like the, you know, uh, the voice, who is Amel, the demon who started vampirism, spoiler alert, the book thinks we're so dumb that we don't get it 300 pages before we do. And then it keeps reiterating that point. Uh, but it's tired of living inside Mechorae. A terrible place to be. Apparently not sentient in any way. Except for that whole thing where she schlepped her ass all the way from South America to kill Akasha. Nope, she's not able-bodied. So she is not sentient. My god, these books. Um, so the voice comes to Rosh and is like, you seem like a good patsy. I'm gonna need you to kill Maharet, the current head of the vampire power structure, and then you will be my host, and we will totally be a team, you guys. And this voice is oh my god, hedging it the shit out of its bets, is the thing. It is clearly splitting its attention between Rosh and another prime candidate. We'll get to that. The other dumbest fuck. The other stupidest, most powerful body with a dick. No, no, that that's an actual concern. It comes back to it repeatedly. Sure does. Never done talks to any of them ladies. Despite vampires having no purpose for that. Nope. Despite the fact that their bodies are dead, they are all implicitly biromantic. Omnisexual, I think, is the term that Anne prefers. Ugh. <sighs> 
Oh god, we're, we've been here for almost two hours. How does this end? You know how it ends. I do, but tell the people. Well, you were on Benedict, though. I like him, and his characterization is entirely inconsistent. Well, unless you start wanking furiously around it to try and explain it, in which case you conclude that he's way cannier than ever imagined, but is stuck under the thumb of a horrific multi-century controlling entity. Oh yeah, but just taking as it is on the page, like first he's like sad and weeping over all the deaths and Rosh is like, quit your bitch and I want to fuck you. Quit your whining, you're getting blood everywhere, jeez. How messy and gross. You're making me not want to bone you as hard. Uh, and then he totally bones him just as hard. Yep. And then, but later, when Rosh goes to murder Maharet, which, by the way, is totally off. Like, we're talking dropping a bridge on Kirk levels of disrespect for a franchise mainstay. Yep. But she's chilling around a volcano. Yeah, because she's suicidal now, despite the fact that for 6,000 years she's been holding this family unit together. Now, all of a sudden, when we need a dude to take over the power structure, she can't handle it. Because she is just so broken by discovering that her twin, who she thought was dead, is disabled. That's so much worse. Oh, God. The horror. Oh, the horror. The horror. But so Rosh manages to, like, cut off her head but can't finish the job, and Benedict steps in and is surprisingly competent all of a sudden. They're Highlanders now, by the way. Yeah. Um, that happens. And then once that scene that needs him to be surprisingly competent is done, he's back to being, like, fretful and not about this. It makes no fucking sense. Unless you start headcanning. He is a pitiful fluff boy. Yep. They're only to close or open his mouth, depending on what his daddy wants at the moment. Why do you say these things? It's pithy. I don't have it in me to adopt another boy. It's pithy. Uh, I've already got so many boys that Anne has miswritten. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't. No, no. Send him away. I cannot with this boy. <laughs> What, send him away to boarding school? I mean, I'm sure Notker would accept him, although he's still- Although he's post-pubescent, so. Yeah, no, that that's- Fuck. That's past the bar. <laughs> so they all come back to New York, and Rosh, who is a dumb fuck, and didn't manage to kill Mekare, which he was supposed to, kidnaps Victor, and we're all very sad because we care very much about Lestat's clone. We care way more about Victor than about Rose. Like, it's established in text that kidnapping Rose wouldn't be nearly as effective as kidnapping Victor when Lestat literally didn't know Victor existed before this kidnapping incident. Yeah, but you're missing the part where he has a dick. Yep. And it's... As opposed to the girl, he like... You know, he fucked off when she reached adolescence and was no longer cute and dependent, but he did like dote on her for the first couple years of her life right and like promised her that he'd always be her dad it was a lie but yeah well i mean he did become her dad in the sense that um she had to vampirically fuck him to become a vampire Wee. why are there so many weird complexes in this book and uh, so as it turns out kidnapping victor doesn't really work out because benedict is such a fuzzy-headed dimwit Gosh! Whoops. Benedict accidentally lets Victor escape. Whoops, I'm sure. 
Yeah, by putting candles in his room. Oh gosh, scented candles. He just wanted to make it nice. Benedict, I get you and I love you, buddy. You are a good boy. I see you underappreciated, boy. <laughs> so they do that and they get Victor back and that's ostent like you'd think that would be the the, the climax of the book, but no. Then they keep talking for like 50 more fucking pages. It I just mean, keeps it's going. It's like a fucking Anne Rand book where half the book is somebody talking in court. The shittiest court. Vampire court is the worst, y'all. Actually, no, it, it very much is an Anne Rand book. I'll stand by that. But I didn't see anything about railroads. <laughs> no, Judgment. but it sure is political. Yeah, I, I don't... It sure is about exceptionalism. It's Well, listen, if these other dumb vampires were as good, they would have just lifted themselves up by their bootstraps. They should all just be in awe of the most powerful being who now is in charge of them. Fuck collectivism. And just take his word for things. Yeah, no, he knows what's up. Despite the fact that he drugged, he, he dragged his feet about being in charge for the majority of this book, he is clearly a figurehead who knows what's up. See, they pick list like everybody's like yeah totally Lestat should be our leader Lestat doesn't know shit about leading shit Lestat anytime he's been in anything resembling a position of authority it's ended in people literally setting things on fire that includes being a rock star yeah like the concert ended in a bad time it was a bad time things were set on fire every time Lestat was in charge of anything but gosh he's so charismatic you really feel like you could have a beer with that guy. A blood beer. That's gotta exist in Harry Potter. So anyway, he's in charge of literally everything now. We trust him. We have always been at war with East Asia. Marius, though. You know, the guy who made the 12-year-old vampire and the 17-year-old vampire? I've never and then met let anyone as vampire? in these things as you. Oh my god, yes. Marius, the most ethical vampire. Just... And do you read your old books? Do you no. Know this thing? Rereading is for weaklings. Oh, I see. Rereading means looking back on the people you used to be. And then, as a reward, Lestat gets Louis back. It's because Louis was just waiting around for him, and this new family he has means nothing. Just this family he's been living with for a decade in Trinity Gate. Uh huh. Armand's beautiful New York home that is now Lestat. Yeah, well, it was clearly made Armand for him. Armand didn't die or nothing. Just. Lestat's decided it's his now, because he's the prince of everything. Well, clearly that French library was made just for him. Who else could it have possibly made for, been made for, who is of French ancestry and likes books? Yes, who else could like a very quiet, secluded, very calmly arranged French library full of books? I can't think who? of anybody else. That, that literally lived in the house with Armand. Nope, I got nothing. I, I'm very upset about Lestat stealing Louis' room. It's fine. We're all on our way up to the bridge, and we're going to become clear. Wow. That's my third Scientology <laughs> reference. And I feel like at this point, the SEO is going to lead them to us, and I'm only mildly afraid. Hey, in conclusion, uh, y'all- We'll be labeled suppressive purpose persons, but who cares? Y'all fuck this book, though. It's bad. Because it ends with Lestat merging with the fucking demon. And, like, throughout the entire book, the demon has been setting people on fire, and we've been repeatedly assured that the demon is capable of driving people mad and 
and causing them to commit atrocities. But somehow, when Lestat merges with it, we're supposed to trust that. No, he's fine now. Just like a beautiful, a beautiful tiger kitten that just needed love. He's just so cuddly now because Lestat's point of view is objective. Lestat, the person merged with the the horrific demon. Yeah, that is capable of driving people to madness. You don't understand. It's going to be different now. That is Lestat's rallying cry for a relationship, always. We don't need to have any self-reflection. Just accept it. Just accept that this is canon and these are characterizations now. But Lestat still totally committed rape, even before being uh, part of a demon. Yeah, well, but, I mean, you know, David. Oh, that Britishism. I hate everything. Who is this pod person? This book is bad. Why has he stolen my boy? My boy who tries so hard. Why have we replaced him with an asshole egoist who is also a rapist? But the important thing about leadership is charisma. That's right. We're going to get him a tie, and then we're going to make vampirism great again. You know, he, he, he can make people compete to be vampires next season. He can fire you. I hate everything. Are we still going to read the next one? I mean, we gotta, right? I mean, we suffered this much. I feel like I've lost more brain cells. Prince Lestat and the Burb aliens cannot possibly... No, it can be worse, but... I mean, it definitely can. He can have less Armand. Yeah, but that means we get to imagine Armand doing better things. That's true. I do enjoy the thought of my trash boy living a better plot. As he quietly steals I mean, his boyfriend back. I understand, back. Daniel is literally not in it at all. Oh no, fuck your fave. So, no, he doesn't get any screen time ever. Not even to agree with Lestat. No, he doesn't get any screen time, but that means he's literally not subject to these stupid plots. True. Hey, how do we end this? I don't actually know. Um, how does one drunkenly sum up this book? Um, it can fuck off. You should read the first three again. Or for the first time, if for God knows what reason you've made it all the end, all the way to the end of this without having read any of these. No, but I mean, I think the problem with this book is mostly that it represents a degradation of the message over time. It's like a signal that's lost and corrupted over centuries of interference. Because the early books had a conceptual reason for having the protagonist be a young rebel. But as the author grew older, I feel like she was still wedded to the character as a as he appeared, but couldn't buy into the sensibilities of a young rebel anymore. She is the system now. And so is Lestat. Yeah, she is the system, and so Lestat had to become the system. No matter how inconsistent it was with the idea of a character who had for 200 years been anti-system. And I think that's what it really boils down to as a problem, is that it represents a shift in the author's consciousness that just doesn't jive with the themes of the series before and after it. This is why you make new books with new characters, because you are in different places at different points in your life as a person, as an artist. Yeah, but insisting on sticking with the same characters in the same universe results in a thematic inconsistency that is just infuriating. Yes, those words that sound smart. I lose how to do the smart words the bad. Ah, oh, you're good. Oh, I hated this book. Dorothy, I hated it. 
It was really, really bad. It took me like three weeks to read, and it's only 600 pages. 600 fairly large print pages. Fairly widely spaced, even. It's not nearly as long as The Vampire Lestat. Which is long, but much better. And much more enjoyable to read. With redeeming values and shit. Complexity and thought was put into it, not just what I'm feeling. A first- yeah, it had an editor. Isn't it funny how that changes things? Ooh, you went there. I went there. I'm not sorry. I lived through the purge, motherfucker. I'm out of alcohol. The purge was ugly. So, I don't know when we'll do this again. It's it's sort of planned to be a, a semi-periodical thing uh, whenever we get a hold of a book that we would like to and end enough alcohol to fuel apparently two hours of raving. Oh my god, I can't believe how long this is. Ah, uh, we'll edit it down. You'll edit it down. Not that it's much. Only... It's still gonna be long as fuck. But it was fun. So we'll do this again sometime, maybe, if people like it. Uh, yeah. Don't buy this book? Don't buy this book unless you want to be enraged. No, even then, don't if buy this do book. If you buy it and want to scream at me, by all means do so. I'm Anton Mordred. .tumblr.com. Yes, um, and you can find me, uh, just, if you, if you put Vry Kaiser into Google, you'll probably find me somewhere, um, and our normal podcast is Trash and Treasures, which updates every two weeks, unless we're doing whatever the hell this is, and hopefully we'll see you around there, or around here, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you can find us, and take care of yourselves out there. Take care of yourselves, guys. Bye. Bye.